0: Welcome to the Eid Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We have finally reached the last chapter of Zechariah, which we will be talking about today. I do think we're going to do another episode on Zechariah, kind of wrap some things up. Yeah. So we're, we're going to keep going uh, for another time. This won't be the last one, but we are going to try and get a hold on some of the basics in this final chapter this time. And this is more than apocalyptic. Apocalyptic language <laughs> we were talking about uh, already in our other um, podcasts. So what what do you think of when you're reading it, uh, this last chapter? What kind of things um, um, kind of hit you in the face? And...
1: Well, I, I think it starts out very gloomy and yeah. uh, scary.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And
1: then it gets, it changes yeah. on that day. Yeah. So I'm excited for us to read it. I just think apocalyptic literature is so interesting because I think we tend to want to make it about the end times. Right. All about the end times. Yes. And there probably is an element of it Mm -hmm. that is, but I think in this, it's more about Jesus. Yes. This is about that day when everything changed. Yes. Yes. And that was the that was Jesus day
0: mm-hmm. correct and
1: so um, I think this chapter is really exciting and um, gives a great picture of what's happening in mm-hmm. the spiritual realm what's taking place what took place when Jesus um, was here mm-hmm. but of course time is a, another thing we could talk about <laughs> is happening right now. Sure. Well. Yeah.
0: In in so. another sense, very much. It is happening right now. Jesus is cleansing us all, bringing us all close to his father right now. What he happened on that day was for all time, um, stretched backward, forward. Uh, everything is incorporated and encompassed in that moment of what he did for us on the cross and, And I
1: think for a lot of people thinking about what could this have meant to the people in Zechariah's day, mm -hmm. for them, just like we think about that with Revelation, Mm -hmm. I think it's always there's always something that God is giving to whoever is reading it that they can see in front of them that gives them hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people were going through a really difficult time, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and. This gives them hope
0: mm-hmm.
1: that um, they are caught up with him. Yes. And so I, I don't know how much of it they could see and understand, but they could understand that there was
0: hope coming. Oh, right. I think so, too. Yeah. So, they would at least get that from it. And that's the idea, of course, behind Zechariah's prophecy mm-hmm. is to bring some. Certainly, some sense of God and what he's doing in the world and a sense of his judgment on evil. And at the same time, how that is also going to lead to mercy on his people and uh, a better hopeful, more hopeful future. So when we get to chapters 12 through 14, we had just emphasized last time, just to give us a little bit to hold on to, that we keep seeing that one phrase on that day throughout. Yes throughout these three chapters, this final oracle of Ezekiel. So I've had Ezekiel <laughs> in my head. There are several references from Zechariah yeah. to Ezekiel, but we're going to even see a little bit of a connection today, uh, too, to that. But here in Zechariah, chapter 12 through 14 is is the final oracle. As we're just, if we didn't know that already, then he has made it painfully clear yes. <laughs> by using this constant refrain on that day, on that day, on that day. Don't miss it. All of this is happening on that day. So that great day uh, is pieced together all the way through this and, and 17 times between chapter 12 verse 1 and all the way to the end of 14, yes, 17, 17 times, times. we're going to get the use of the so that 10 plus on 7. that day. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, and in this chapter, he also not only says on that day, but he even has this place where he says in verse seven, and there will be a unique day, which is known mm. to the Lord. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really honing in. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Here,
0: That's right. Um, so when we get here. Chapter 14, verse 1, we're just continuing that same thought. We've just read in chapter 13 about the striking of the shepherd, how that's going to lead to kind of an exile of the people, and yet also a testing and a refining that will take place uh, that will test them like gold and silver. And then by the end of this, there will be a beautiful connection between God and his people where there's he's saying these are my people and they're Mm -hmm. responding Yahweh's my God and, and that's exactly what needs to happen in this covenant relationship then we start chapter 14 now, when chapter 14 starts, like you had already said, it starts kind of gloomy. It's right. kind of, boy, phew, that's kind of, this gets heavy like again all are, of a sudden. we are back in
1: this battle again.
0: Yes. So, it really takes us back to chapter 12. <laughs> mm-hmm. In chapter 12, right after we begin, we find ourselves immediately in this battle where Jerusalem is surrounded and being Everybody's greatly put upon. In, all, all these nations, including Judah itself, mm-hmm. yeah. have teamed up against Jerusalem, well, here we have a repeat. This is this is going straight back to that same time. And I believe that exact same battle. Yeah. So it's just telling
1: us again. We're
0: getting again. From yes. a different
1: viewpoint, maybe a little bit. Yep.
0: But. Slightly different perspective, but definitely going to that same battle again, because this is all that day. This is all that, that day. And the Jerusalem I believe we're talking about here is what john will later reference in revelation as the jerusalem of god i mean this right. is us this is all of his people, his people all of his people we're the true jerusalem uh and so i do believe that that's in apocalyptic language that's what we're talking about here and uh so we will read well, this if we are
1: his temple yes then
0: then it seems to make we are. sense that we're Jerusalem, his his bride coming down out of heaven, John talks about. So I do think that's where this apocalyptic language is going, probably where John even got his apocalyptic language to be able Mm -hmm. to speak like when I think he saw his visions, and then you're trying to grasp some language to help Mm -hmm. explain what you've been seeing. I think he would naturally use the language that he's already read his whole life from the Old Testament to describe that. so. So many. Yeah. Yeah. Similarities. major connections. So chapter 14, verse one, behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst for, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be shaken and uh, taken and the houses plundered and and the women (laughs) raped. And half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations, as when he fights on a day of battle. And on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very great valley, so that one half of the Mount shall move northward and the other half southward and you shall flee to the valley of my mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach to azal and you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of isaiah king of judah and then the lord my god will come and all the holy ones with him on that day there shall be no light cold or frost and there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. And on that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea, and half of them to the western sea, and it shall continue in summer as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one, and his name one, And the whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site, from the gate of Benjamin, to the place of the former gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel, to the king's wine presses. And it shall be inhabited, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. There will never be a decree of utter destruction after that day. Jerusalem shall dwell in security, and this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet, their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. And on that day, a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them, so that each will seize the hand of another, and the hand of the one will be raised against the hand of the other. Even Judah will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold, silver, and garments in great abundance. And a plague like this shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beasts may be in those camps." And then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths, this shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses holy to the Lord, and the pots of the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's long chapter,
0: sorry. But we're all talking, <laughs> but we're still all talking about this just one day. Mm-hmm. This one day on that day, on mm-hmm. that day, on that day. This is the kind of thing that will be set in motion on that day, it either happen on that day, be set in motion on that day. This is what's happening. And it's all connected to a single day. Yes. So when we start out, we start out with that great battle that it's talking about. Um, Everybody
1: coming against Jerusalem. Oh,
0: yeah. And uses some, ugly. like you said, really ugly language there. The city has been taken, the houses plundered, and the women raped. And half of the city shall go out into exile. But the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. <clears throat> and then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations now it's the lord going out in chapter 14 verse 3 it's not even just that he's empowering his people now we're talking using language talking about him doing it him actually making he's actually
1: fighting for them yes
0: he's fighting on them i love that and so so beautiful language to describe that so the lord has taken up the battle here he comes to fight definitely we know when the lord gets involved in a battle he's gonna win then chapter 14, verse 4 on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of o- And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. This verse gives a lot of people
1: <laughs>
0: issues and angst mm-hmm. for how to interpret it. And I completely Understand why it would. It's just it. It's difficult. We want to read it and hear the literalism of it. It sounds like it wants to be literal. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's giving us a specific place name and a specific. I mean, right. Mm, uh, Apocalyptic day, literature be, is just yeah. Yeah. It's just difficult. It's just going to be difficult. And the
1: thing is that some of it has been literal.
0: Yes, absolutely. We've watched
1: part of it actually be literal. Yeah. When we've seen it play itself out, yeah, and so it's hard to know,
0: yeah. So when we get here, we get to this verse and we hear about this Mount of Olives. Well, when we think of the Mount of Olives, where does your mind go first? Thing I, first thing goes to when I say Mount of Olives, Jesus. It goes to Jesus' life. I mean, uh, you know, Cause that's, that's, that's where he definitely was arrested, right?
1: That's where he spent his last hours in prayer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: you know
0: yeah and so so for sure that's where our minds yep jesus mount of olives that's how that works
1: across from the temple just you know
0: yes it was exactly opposite the temple outside the city so you had the temple mount and then you could see straight over at the mount of olives right there from the mount of olives you could almost kind of look down into the temple uh courts area and so all of all of this picture here you got to picture of this in your head but it's a picture we've seen elsewhere in scripture from ezekiel chapter 11 verse 23 when we get to hear about the mount of olives there and how god's presence has moved away from his temple and is now resting on the mount of olives right and that's the picture it doesn't use the word mount of olives there but everybody knows that's the picture we're looking at there that's what's happening that uh, imagery seems to be taken up in Mark chapter 13 verse 3 when Jesus himself leaves the temple for the last time and goes straight to the Mount of Olives and he's sitting there with his disciples talking about how the temple is about to be destroyed. It's right. going to be completely raised to the ground, going to be destroyed because God's not there anymore. God's right. God's people uh, are, are where he's going to start residing now. He's not going to be in that building anymore, and he's he's angry at what's been done to his mm-hmm. temple and how the traders have come in and just used it for profit. And, and he's going to stop doing that. So when we get this, we get to this part. <laughs>
1: it's interesting here. I mean, if you're really thinking, mm-hmm. then you would think it's odd that he that this is happening on the Mount of Olives yep. and not on the Temple Mount.
0: Right. Right.
1: But the enemies are occupying the Temple Mount, right? Yes. And so, just like in Jesus' yes. day, mm-hmm. the enemies were occupying the Temple Mount, yeah. And he went to the Mount of Olives,
0: right? And so, here, whenever he's he's at the Mount of Olives, it's, uh, it says on this day when he's at the Mount, uh, this this the Lord who is on the Mount of Olives. It shall be split. Uh, He's going to put his feet on it. On that day, his feet stand on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. Now, that split word there is the same word that gets used in Exodus for what happened at the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 14, verse 16 and verse 21 use this word about the Red Sea being split and then that's how the people escape. Hmm. The and this is exactly what's happening. What we're mm-hmm. talking about here. There's going to be a split take place. It's going to be this great and incredible apocalyptic day. And there's going to be a way made for the people
1: to, to escape, escape.
0: The people to who flee, are God's people flee I mean, to the valley. Yes, an actual exodus <gasps> will be created on that day. Um, and sure enough, the Mount of Olives. If you can say any, I had an old professor. Um, <laughs> I'm calling him an old professor. He was a professor of mine from a long time ago. As I get older and older, I realize he was not as old as I thought he was back then. Uh, but nevertheless, who used to say that the battle was really won on the Mount of Olives? that that's where Jesus really won the battle for us because when he was in his prayer with his father mm-hmm. and he said, I would like for it to go this way. I would like for it to be different, but Nothing. your will, not, why, not my will be done, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. And that is where the battle was truly yes. won. Once he stood up with that determination in his mind, everything else everything was changed. just ha- ha going through the motions of getting things accomplished. And
1: isn't that the picture that's happening
0: here? It is. He it? stands up. Yep. Oh, right. And yep. everything Feet splits on the ground and, and there's a
1: way of escape. There's a way
0: that's been made to people. escape. That's right. Everything exactly
1: right. changes right there.
0: And you so then now the people can flee uh in verse 5 to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal, shall reach to the joining. Shall reach to the joining place. Mm-hmm. Uh let's say that would be a good way to interpret Azal. Well, what what exactly does that mean? Well, I we don't know, but just, you know, kind of <laughs> kind think yeah. in your head. Joining who? Well, the people will get to the place where they can join with God. Maybe that's it. They where they can join together. Maybe mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Gentiles and Jews became joined on that day uh, because of right. what Jesus did. There was a joining that took place. I don't know. Is this what it means? It's all very, you know, strange language. Hard to interpret, but uh, that's certainly a possibility. And so they're going to flee. It's going to be a terrible day. It's going to be like that earthquake day back then, whenever uh, Isaiah was on the throne. Um, There'd just be this, that's the terrible imagery that he's using to describe just how incredible that day is going to be. And then the Lord God will come and all the holy ones with him. Verse six, on that day, There will be no light, cold, or frost. Now, that can also be interpreted. That whole part there that says there will be no light, cold, or frost can also be interpreted. The splendid ones shall congeal. (laughs) I know that's strange to say it. It just sounds weird. Yes, it's odd. But it's a very legitimate translation. What does all that mean? Well, splendid ones would probably be the heavenly and, bodies yeah. yeah and so in other words there's something radical and crazy crazy happening in the skies mm-hmm. uh something weird something mm-hmm. different happening it's all very strange well that does happen on the day that jesus was crucified between 12 and 3 there's no light
1: and there was an earthquake uh, and there is an earthquake yeah so all of these things did happen on that day and and something that i read was just talking about how time would be changed Mm -hmm. the way and and of course light it did get dark in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. um i think all of these things really happen yeah
0: absolutely and so verse nine then there the that's the day when or i should say verse eight first there's this fountain Flowing out. Well, that's the fountain Jesus predicted. His, You know, Mm -hmm. that from him uh, comes water that can quench everyone. Yep. Which also takes us back to John and the piercing and how (laughs) water and blood flowed from Jesus Mm -hmm. on that day. Well, that's how we get cleansed uh, forever. And so there is this fountain that is going to flow out into all the world. I
1: mean, living waters.
0: So on that day, the Lord will be one, and His name one. In verse nine, that's, uh, you know, of course, just bringing back to the fullness. He'll be the only one. Well, and that's language from the the Shema too. mm -hmm, Exactly, that's a Shema language. Yep, exactly. The Lord is one. So sure enough, He will be one. one His name one. He's the only one. Yep. Verse ten and following ten and eleven. You know, we've got this description here, and it's hard to say exactly how that. All that plays out, uh, and yet this idea just that- it's
1: saying all of the land. It's yes, all of the bad. land,
0: all of Jerusalem, exactly. Good. It is saying all of the land, I think. Giba and Ramon would represent both the northernmost point and the southernmost yeah. point. Yep, exactly. So everything is, is under God, and everything is being <laughs> cleansed and taken back uh, in security. Jerusalem, Jerusalem gets to dwell, dwell completely in, in security because of that day and what happens on that day. I love that. I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that. Um, never again be a decree of utter destruction, which there will not be on His people. <laughs> Guess what? We're always going to be established in Him. We're always <laughs> going to be firm in Him. There won't be a decree of utter destruction against His people right. anymore, ever. Uh, and so, you
1: may feel
0: like it. Sometimes like it. <laughs> you may feel like things are rough, but always we, we can trust now <laughs> that there's never. He's never going to allow that to happen. And. Then uh, it talks about the plagues that will be on those who don't follow him and who don't go his way. And these are ugly sounding Mm -hmm. plague uh, in verse 12. And verse 15 brought up again how it's even on the livestock of those who don't follow. The whole
1: land is affected.
0: Yep. Uh, And and there will also, though, be a great despoiling of the enemies taking place in verse 14. Mm -hmm. For those who are God's people, they will collect gold and silver and garments and in great abundance in other them. words there's plunder for those who follow him he keeps them just like very much takes us back to the ex, the original exodus mm-hmm. picture where the people left with all the spoils right. of Egypt and they didn't even have to try so. and,
1: and I see this because I, the first part is about all these Well, let's finish this and then we'll talk about that.
0: Okay. So the people's needs are completely cared for. Certainly ours are. That's what we see in this. Chapter 16. Or verse
1: 16.
0: Verse 16. I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, and, And on down, we're talking about... How everyone who survives from all the nations, even all the nations. So there's
1: going to be people who are going to survive from all the nations.
0: That's right. Exactly. They're going to start coming and keeping the Feast of Booths to the Lord every year. Well, that's the final feast that we hear about. the king. Yes, exactly. They're going to worship the king who is Yahweh of hosts, which is, of course, Jesus as well, and um, at the Feast of Booths. And so they're going to make their pilgrimage, as it were. It's going to be this this celebration that takes place throughout all the nations uh, of people who are devoted to Yahweh. And this Feast of Booths is the last of the feasts described in Leviticus mm-hmm. chapter 23, and uh, also Deuteronomy. It's described there. It's the Feast of Sukkot and this is a time when the people remember what it was to be taken out of Egypt and to be able to yes. get to a new land. And so provided for. Gonna, yeah. yeah. And, and cared for and provided for by him all the way. So the plagues will afflict the nations, but God's people will be kept and will be constantly upheld. Those who don't follow God, the nations who don't follow God won't get rain on them. I mean, God will bring, bring, Curses upon those who don't follow him, but blessings for those who do. And this is the way that things will work. Uh, This is the thing, a plan that will be set into motion on that day.
1: see the opposite. They're going to have drought mm -hmm. and uh, thirst, Mm -hmm. but the people who are following God will have fountains Uh, of forgiveness. And
0: so I don't think
1: that the no rain is always literal,
0: right? Definitely not. But
1: it's, they are not going to have that fountain of forgiveness right. and that living water that we've seen in right. the last
0: in 13.1 and 14.8. I think you're <clears> hundred percent <throat> right that that's what we're talking about. Yes. We're all of this needs to be read through that spiritual lens of what took place mm-hmm. on that, on that, day on that day with that. Jesus did everything, accomplished everything for us. And so even, you know, the horses now are going to have inscribed uh, on their bells, Holy to the Lord, the horses that used to go out in war are now uh,
1: bringing worship. Yes, yeah.
0: worship horses, if you yeah. know, but involved in the worship uh, of Yahweh. And then all the pots, all of the ceramic pots, everything that is can be found anywhere in Jerusalem. Even verse twenty-one. Can be used for worship now. Now it's not just that specific those specific pots and utensils that were in the temple that were set apart only to be used that way. Now you you can't even enter Jerusalem. Any any pot you can find uh, in Jerusalem can be used to offer worship to Yahweh. So, so there's he's using an abundance,
1: even,
0: yes. even the common is yes. no longer common.
1: It's sacred now. It's
0: sacred. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so the so the beauty of that picture, of course, that now from every house so every household has things that can be used to worship Yahweh in it. There's not a household that doesn't have. Well, that's that's where we are right now. Guess what? That's We're right. the priesthood. We're the ones who everything we have and everything we we own can be given up to Yahweh and be acceptable sacrifices. We don't have, have to, to go
1: to the sellers at the temple that's right to buy and Get be the right at their mercy yep. to have the instruments to worship with. That's right. And so um That's why this says, and there shall be no traitor.
0: Right. Last line. Yeah.
1: People selling things.
0: Selling things within the house of the Lord. Yeah. That's over with now. You don't need those things anymore. This is all. Everybody's got access to what they need.
1: So it takes us right back to Jesus overturning the tables in the temple.
0: Definitely. So I,
1: but I feel like this, this chapter is, um, starts out with the nations coming against Jerusalem and all this it seemed everything seems lost mm-hmm. and then it ends with everything is almost a utopia it's wonderful yeah it everything's perfect beautiful yeah. and taken care of and then if you go in just a little bit after that then you're gonna see the looting
0: mm-hmm. or
1: you know the other nations are gonna plunder yes jerusalem yes well we step in just a little bit at the end and then and Jerusalem is plundering the other nations. Right. They're yes. getting their spoils.
0: Yes. But God. in
1: the middle of this chapter
0: mm-hmm.
1: is this beautiful picture of when everything changes. Yes. It's like it changes on a dime and unexpectedly and everything changes. Yes. I mean, not just the way the battle's going right in front of us, but even when it's dark and when it's light and everything changes man so
0: it is awesome. gorgeous I do love it great way to end uh, Zechariah with a beautiful picture of what God's people experience now yes uh, in Jesus so I'm we're going to talk more day. next time <laughs> yes so thankful for that day we'll talk more next time wrap this up and bring it all together um, in Zechariah really glad you've joined us for this keep hanging on we'll talk a little more hope you guys have a great week